Amen. All right. Well, that's great. Listen, you, you uh, received an additional couple of things uh, when you uh, got your bulletin this morning, so I just want to highlight them just for a moment before we get underway because they really connect with what we're talking about uh, today. Uh, the first has to do with our outreach. Now, this is, this is a listing of all of the various things that we do in terms of outreach here at Coastal. Uh, for those of you who uh, have never been down to our Yorktown campus uh, or are relatively new to Coastal in general, I want to make sure you understand that of every dollar you give here, 10% of it goes out the door to missions of varying sorts, ESOL being one of them. Uh, if you want to be part of a ministry where the world's coming to us and we're having opportunity to share the gospel, ESOL is the place for you. It actually meets at our Deer Park campus, which is down in Newport News. Uh, but it's, it's bursting at the seams, and uh, they can always use assistance. They can always use uh, volunteers to help them with transportation, with uh, various sorts of things. So that's a, a great ministry, but there are a lot of them. You see the ones up there, the, outre the ones that say outreach are ones that are relatively local to us, including our foster care ministry that we're just getting underway with uh, here at this particular campus. And then global outreach is obviously global, not local to us, all right? So there are all sorts of good things. One of the things you're going to start hearing more about is uh, the Timothy Initiative Church Planning. We are planning, uh, making plans now, we're uh, partnering with uh, the Timothy Initiative to plant 300 churches in Thailand uh, in the next several years. We can do it incredibly cost-effectively with the, uh, the system they use. It's really a good thing. So those are uh, mission outreaches you might uh, be interested in. I hope you are. Gift-giving guide. It's coming to the end of the year. Lots of people like to make uh, special gifts and have particular things. Man, this thing is as thorough as you want it to be. It gives you gifts based on the quantity, the amount that you would like to give, to donate. It's different sorts of things. It is very thorough. I don't have time to even really touch on it. Read it through. It'll be great opportunities. You will see in there a spot for the Gloucester Building Fund as well as Yorktown and Deer Park. Uh, and it says not available yet. So let that be enough of a hint. All right. Um, we're thinking and praying, and I want you to keep doing that too. All right. We are on our uh, series on our core values here at Coastal. We have this week and next to go. We have done watchfulness and we have done authenticity. If you have missed those messages, I encourage you to find them on your uh, trusty app or uh, on the website at Coastal. You can get a hold of those things and kind of catch up to where we are. The reason we're doing this, someone asked me just a week or two ago, um, what, why are we going back to our core values? And it's because there are so many people at Coastal in general right now, uh, both here especially and at Deer Park, but also at Yorktown, who haven't been part of Coastal a long time and does, don't understand perhaps what it is that drives us to do what we do. So that's why we're doing our core values. So we've done watchfulness and authenticity. Today we're going to talk about love. It's, a, it's incredibly important, but I thought it might be fun to start by... Um, finding out how people define or describe love, specifically elementary kids. Love is when a little old man and a little old woman are still friends, even after they know each other so well. Amen. <laughs> Lo 
Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on aftershave and then they go out together and smell each other. <laughs> Love is when you tell a boy you like his shirt and then he wears it every day. Love is when mommy gives daddy... No, that's actually... Married love is when your wife tells you what shirt to wear, right? Um, love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. Love is when daddy comes in all sweaty and smelly and mommy still tells him he's handsomer than Robert Redford. Love is when you go out to dinner with someone and you give them most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. Love, you know, love, you, know you love someone because your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. Or as the famous theologian Tina Turner asked, what's love got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion or a sweet old-fashioned notion? Well, I want to tell you that as far as Coastal is concerned, uh, we believe love's got everything to do with it, okay? Uh, I want to tell you how we define love as it relates to our core values. We want to do the most loving thing because all people matter to God and because God is love. So we want to reflect who God is in his character of love by doing the most loving thing because everybody matters to God. We're going to be in three different passages of scripture this morning. So hang on and we're going to, we're going to dive in and do this with your notes. We're starting in Romans chapter 8. Uh, an incredible passage of scripture that that talks about how love has been demonstrated. How has uh, how, how can we really see love in its uh, most profound effect as it relates to us? I want to start in verse thirty-five, and I want you to read, uh, listen as I read just this first sentence: "Who shall separate us?" from the love of Christ. Now this is, we are picking up in the middle of a passage of scripture that I would love to preach um, it at length, uh, but I don't have the time to do that. But that's a, that is a profound question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm going to stop there just for a second and come back to the rest of that verse. This word separate literally means what you would think it means. It, it means to, to isolate someone by putting a considerable distance in between them. You take one person, and if you're having a conversation over here in this corner, and one of you walks over here to this corner, you have been separated. Who shall separate us from the love of God. What is it that could possibly ever do that? I wonder if you've ever felt space in a relationship. You may be in the same house with the person. You may be in the same office with the person, but there's, there's distance between you. You felt that, right? And I mean, I, I get a show of hands to see who's never felt that, but uh, I, I think we have all experienced that feeling of there's, there's just something, there's a distance, there's like a space between us. Have you ever felt that way as it relates to God? Have you had seasons in your life where you felt like God was distant from you? He's promised to always be with us, right? Jesus said, I'm with you always to the end of the age. But sometimes we don't feel quite like that, right? So as Paul is writing, as the Holy Spirit is inspiring this text through the, the pen of Paul, 
He, oh, that's probably the Toyota dealer. There's always somebody over there banging something. All right. He, he gives a listing of things and asks the question, can any of these things, and the point of it is nothing can separate us. Now, we got to hang on to this thought because I know there are times when we feel distance, right? We feel like maybe there's something between us and God. There's some distance. We're, we're feeling separated from him. But I'm telling you, according to the scriptures, there's nothing that can actually separate us from God. Not shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword can any of those things do it tribulation is being squeezed being put under pressure these are all things that we've all faced or most of them right or maybe not but probably not every single one on the list yet but we we've all faced many of these things we've we've faced uh the the sense of being uh pressured squeezed in we've had the sense of being in a narrow space that's what distress is talking about being hopelessly hemmed in no you 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 don't know where to turn because there doesn't seem to be any possible direction that's good anyway persecution just what it says systematic affliction that's perpetrated by somebody else famine not having enough food nakedness destitute to the point that I can't adequately clothe myself. Peril is just a word for general danger, and of course, sword refers to death, being killed by somebody. None of those things can create distance between me and God if I'm in Christ. That's the whole point of of chapter 8. Going back all the way to verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, was raised, who's at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. If we're in Christ, none of those things on that list can separate us. Verse 36 says, as it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's an interesting reference because it comes from Psalm 44, where the sons of Korah are writing a song. And they're, they're, they're talking about this sense that they have of distance from God. Here's how they word it. The verse that we just read is, is part of this psalm. Yet for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. Sometimes... You feel distance when, to the best of your understanding, you haven't done any particular specific thing to create the distance. I I want you to remember that as God 
demonstrates his love, there is nothing that can separate you from that. If you're in Christ, you are connected and experiencing God's love no matter how you feel. Verse 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What is, how can you be more than a conqueror, right? I mean, what does that even mean? It means it is impossible for you to be conquered. Not only do you conquer, but you can't be. It is, it is absolutely, completely, overwhelmingly victorious through Christ. Beyond the possibility of defeat in Christ, nothing can separate us. So he goes on to reiterate, just in case we've come up with a few things in our mind since the first list. Verse 38, I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, almost as if Paul says, in case you can think of anything else that I haven't listed yet, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's incredible, right? It doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. It doesn't matter whether you feel distant from God or not. If you're in Christ, you have the love of God on your life. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty incredible. Go to 1 John chapter 4. Let's talk a little more about how that is defined for us. So what does it mean? Because Sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes you go through hard experiences. Sometimes you go through difficulties. And of course we know that sometimes that's because we've tolerated sin in our life and God is permitting discipline in our life. But the faithfulness of God means that when I stray, he will do everything to bring me back to where he wants me. That's part of the faithfulness of God. It's part of the love of God. We don't just let our kids run rampant and do whatever they want to. We, and we don't do that. We don't let them do that because we love them, right? We, we sometimes get the idea that if God loved me, bad things wouldn't happen to me. Well, that's not true. That's not how life works. But I'm not ever separated from the love of God. So here's how he defines it. First John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So the source of love is God. Love is from God. It's out of God. That's where, that's where love originated. Uh, this is a really important sentence here because I want you to remember that God does not somehow live up to some external intrinsic standard called love. God defines love for us. Those who love demonstrate they've been born of God. The one who does not love people does not love God because God is. It is his nature. God doesn't measure up to what love is. God defines love. 
So if we want to love people, we need to act like God toward people. And the proof of God's love, what he has shown to us then in defining it for us is in verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. He made something fully known, revealed it clearly. He sent his son that we might live through him. In this is love, verse 10. Not that we loved God. I mean, that only makes sense. If God did all that he did, if he sent Jesus to this earth to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for my sin, to make it uh, possible for me to be freed from the the terror that was to come for me as a sinner and made it possible for me to become a child of God and have the hope of heaven. If God did all of that, defining love isn't me loving God. I mean, that only makes sense to me. If God did all of those things for me, that just only makes sense. If someone was that kind, that gracious, no. The the proof of God's love is, as verse 11, or rather the rest of verse 10 says, and this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Paul talks in Romans about how we were at enmity. We were enemies of God. And God loved us and sent his son to satisfy his own wrath against sin. God loved us, according to Romans 3.25, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Listen, I got to stop and say to you that if you're here and you don't know for sure that you are on your way to heaven, you've never trusted in Christ as your only hope of salvation, then you are not under the love of God. That's the, the other thing about this is you don't, you don't go in and out under the love of God. God either loves you in Christ or God has loved you and sent Jesus to pay the penalty for sin, but if you've never trusted in Christ, you are not under the protection of God. You are not in his son. And that needs to happen. So how does that happen? It, it, it's very simple we recognize that we are currently separated, right? I mean, that's, that's what this is about. If you are in Christ, you are not separated from God, and there's nothing that can separate you. If you are not in Christ, you are separated from God, and there's nothing that can get you close but being in Christ. So you recognize that you're a sinner separated from God because of your sin, that you are unworthy, as that song Uh, gave, I I in myself am unworthy to come to God, but because of your grace, because of your mercy, because I've come to Jesus and said, oh God, I know I'm a sinner and I can't get to heaven on my own. I thank you for sending Jesus to be the satisfaction for my sin. He paid the penalty and he died and he came back to life again on the third day, literally rose from the dead. Because that has happened, if I will trust in Christ if I will ask God to forgive me of my sins based on what Jesus did, I will be in Christ. I will be the recipient of the love 
of God. And the reflection of it is us. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought, we have a moral obligation to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. If God loved us that much, that while we were his enemies, he still acted, not to any benefit of his own, but entirely to my benefit. If God loved me that much, I have a moral obligation to love you. Now, I don't love you because I'm morally obliged. I don't love you because I'm paid to. I love you guys. I mean, okay, let's get all mushy for a second, I know. But um, we have built a relationship, many of us, over the last year and a half as we've been meeting and holding services here. But we do have a moral obligation to love other people. So where does that come in? Yeah, I know, you're thinking to yourself, I got a few people that I only love because I'm supposed to, right? I mean, let's be honest. We have a moral obligation to love, not to have an emotional attachment, but to love, to give, to sacrifice, to, to help, to minister to, just like God did for me when I was an enemy. Nobody has ever seen God, but when we love each other, God's love is brought to completion and people see the love of God when we love like God. That's, that's really amazing. So let me move on. And uh, I, th I think I haven't given you my words, have I? I'm sorry. So the definition of love, the source of love is God. The proof of love is God's son. The reflection of love is us. That's how people see God's love. Now, let me go on to that, to that last one, and let's expand it a little bit. Just go over to chapter 3 of this same letter, 1 John chapter 3, and talk about the distribution of love. How do we do that? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is, this is, where, uh, this is one of the things that I really love about coastal. Because... It is a core value of ours that we want to connect with people where there's need. We don't want to just get people to come to church. We want them to. We want you to come to church. We talk about it all the time. Faithful attendance at worship services with God's people is part of your spiritual development. We want you here on Sundays. We try to, to have a service that is attractive and enjoyable, that lifts up the Lord, that teaches the scriptures faithfully, but this is not where the practical meeting of needs happens for the most part, right? We love each other. We enjoy sharing together. We can encourage one another, but how do we distribute love? 1 John 3, beginning in verse 17. If anyone has the world's goods. This is the negative aspect of this concept. If anyone sees, uh, if anyone has this world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Ouch. That's a rhetorical question. If I have this world's goods 
And can we be honest enough to admit that most of us at least have some of this world's goods? Most of us have more than we need, right? If I do, and I see someone in need and I close my heart off to them, I don't show compassion. How does God's love abide? Especially sees his brother in need. John's writing to believers here. Now, it's, it's to everybody, and I'm coming to that. But I see a brother in need, and I don't minister to that person. How does God's love abide in me? But here's the positive. Verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Let's actually love. Let's, by our actions, demonstrate the kind of love that God did. So what are some ways that we can do that? Uh, I made a list, and then I remembered our outreach ministries and added to my list. So here are a bunch of ways that we can demonstrate the love of Christ. The first I just put generally sharing our resources with other people. Now here's how you can do that. There are a variety of ways. You can certainly do that personally as you know of a person who has need and you get invested in their life. And please invest in their life. One of the things I, I love about how we do ministry at Coastal is we don't just we're not just handing stuff out to people. We're, we're investing in their lives. So don't just hand stuff to somebody and say, hey, God bless you. Get invested in their life. But here's how we do it. Food pantry. The food pantry at Coastal is not just what I'm talking about when we say food ministry. That was on the video this morning. Our food ministry is really an incredible thing, but our food pantry is open all the time. If you know people that have needs and you can't help them, please let us know because we have food at our Yorktown campus. We, we bought a grocery store, for crying out loud, and renovated the thing. And one of the reasons we did it is it's got a walk-in freezer and a walk-in refrigerator, and we've built whole rooms to put food in down there. One of the rules we have at Coastal, when people stop by and they drop in down there at Yorktown, we don't have the ability to do that here. But one of the rules we have there, and I served on the staff at Yorktown for some time, was nobody leaves this campus hungry. If you're hungry, physically hungry, you will not leave here without food. Now, we're going to talk to them about Christ. We're going to try and get invested in their life, but it's there. It's available. Benevolence. Listen, if you've got financial needs, we want to help some of the money that you give for, uh, in your giving is designated in our budget every year for benevolence work. That's not just going out all over the place. That's, that's very local, very practical. People come and they've lost their job. There's some major crisis has happened and they need some money. We have that available. Our food ministry that's a once-a-month event that takes the other three weeks of the month to plan and organize for. I think last month there were 240 families uh, that were fed at our food ministry. It's the third Saturday of every month. They set up on Friday night. They will swallow you alive if you say, hey, do you got anything I can do? <laughs> Sometimes as many as 1,000 people get enough food to last them for a week uh, with our food ministry. 
And it's not just shuffle them through, get them some food, and get them out the door. It's, it's share the love of Christ with them. We're going to very soon, I didn't watch the video this morning for the announcements, I'm sorry, very soon going to be starting to collect turkeys and hams. Did it talk about that? We're trying to collect 400 of those things this year. Uh, I will do my best even by next week to get a big cooler up here, okay? So you can bring them. Uh, we want to be able to participate in that. Full circle. Now, again, that's downtown Newport News, but every single week on Monday, uh, Alexis Ferenc uh, goes with a team of people downtown and puts on a hot meal for the working poor who live in that area, and sometimes there are 100 people show up and get a nice hot meal. ESOL that was mentioned here, right? It's an incredible ministry, an incredible opportunity that's not food-related, but it's helping people learn the English language so they can function more effectively here. Third, did I see Carlene walk in? 13 languages, I think, now, um, of people from other countries of the world that come there. you got to connect to them. That's just how we can share our resources with people. Speak the truth. Be honest. Not painfully, hurtfully honest, but be honest. Encourage other people. Pray for and with other people. I've, I've stopped in the parking lot and prayed with people before and gotten such a hug afterwards, I thought, well, I just prayed. <laughs> um, it's important for us. Hold each other accountable. The challenge from last week that Nate gave us, man, it was such a powerful thing when he, when he touched on authenticity in our relationships with each other. And next week, we're going to deal specifically with the issue of accountability. And then work together, serve together, find a way. Listen, there are ways to... You show the love of Christ when you serve God even through your local church. Uh, this, is, this is not a uh, veiled appeal for cleaning the church. But our, our small groups are taking turns. And as I talked with some of our small group leaders, I said, it's a serve project. Come and serve the Lord. Clean the building. When somebody shows up here and they get to use a clean bathroom or our children's facilities are nice and clean and shiny, that says to our guests, we love you. We want you here. We're glad you're here. We've prepared for you. So we clean. There are lots of very practical ways, and it's one of the things that drives Coastal. As we began to think of some specific local outreach to our Gloucester campus, we really worked through uh, some of the options that were here. There are lots of ministries and churches doing food ministry here, and we certainly could have done that. We could have taken a truck at the end of the day in Yorktown and parked it up here and done a very similar thing. But there were lots of places doing that. So we began to think and pray about something that would particularly reach this area. And somebody said, listen, we got families in our church that are involved in foster care. And so we began to make connections. We have people in our church in the social services uh, area of work in their career in Gloucester and Matthews County, and it turns out that's an incredible mission field. So we have, we've jumped on that, and Kenny and Stephanie are heading up a team of people, and if you want to get involved, put it on your Connect card. I'm really interested in that, and they will talk with you. There are great opportunities 
we want to preach sound doctrine. We want to be people of the book, of the, of the Bible. We want to be people who are being watchful about the gospel and watchful about our lives and authentic and real with each other. We really want to do those things. But the Bible says, if we're loving practically, that's how people see the love of God. People are not going to show up from Gloucester and say, man, that music really touches on the scriptures. They are, I hope. And I hope they're going to love the music, and I hope they're going to say, man, there's a, there's a people who know how to stand for truth. But how will they know? What did Jesus say? This is the way people know you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. So it's one of our core values. It's one of the things we are deeply committed to at the center of who we are at Coastal. And uh, I don't know about you, but I always need to be reminded of how important that is. All right. All right, listen, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then our team's going to come back and lead us uh, in worship. Uh, feel free to stop by back here. There's information, I think, specifically about ESOL back here. Uh, that would be a great opportunity for you. And uh, but take this gift-giving guide, start thinking, start praying about how you can uh, be invested in practically loving people. This is a great time of year to do this, all right? Let's, uh, let's stand together, and then I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and to pay the penalty for our sin and to come back from life again, uh, from death to life again, so that we might have eternal life and a relationship with you. Thank you for loving us that much. Father, I pray that we would be people who love others who sacrifice ourselves, who set aside our preferences and our desires for the sake of other people. I pray that we would be people who, who really deeply love because that's how the people around us are going to see you. So I pray that we would be faithful to that. Lord, I pray for the one or maybe more that would be sitting here this morning or listening that does not know Christ, has never trusted in Jesus as their only hope of salvation. God, I pray that you would bring conviction to their heart, draw them to yourself. I pray that we'd have the privilege, even before they leave here today, of talking to them and showing them how they can know their sins are forgiven and they're on their way to heaven and they are recipients of your love. So thanks for your grace. Thank you for the joy that's ours in serving you. And as we leave this place rejoicing, I pray we'd go out ready to make a difference for your glory, for I pray.